0: Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. You're going to want to turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, that's where we're going to be this morning. And if you're pulling it up on a digital device, it'll oftentimes ask you, which translation do you want? We use the New Living Translation, NLT. But I will also say this. I personally, because I'm old now, I personally love... uh, I love hard copy, I love a Bible, I love being able to touch pages. And here's what I think is great when you have a hard copy Bible. You can circle things, you can underline things, you can highlight things, you can asterisk, you can write in a word that makes you think of something. And so if you don't have a hard copy Bible, don't sweat it. What we did is we went out and bought a bunch of them and got bulk rate and we've put them in the lobby for you. And so you can grab one now or maybe when you're walking out this morning you'll see just a couple tables. We've always got them, they're in two languages. Be aware of that get the right language we got them in English and we got them in Spanish but let me just catch you up a bit on on uh, where we're at and I have just thoroughly enjoyed this I hope it's been significant for you as well we've been on this four week series it'll be four weeks next week on the Holy Spirit and we've called it who what why and weird and we don't say weird in, in any manner to be irreverent but let's just be honest man there are times when the Holy Spirit does stuff don't you and you just go from a human perspective you kind of go oh, that was weird that was weird right? Like, is that so crazy? Don't you think the children of Israel, the, the Israelites were walking across, they, they're leaving Egypt, and they get to the Red Sea, and God just goes, and the Red Sea splits? You don't think they were like, that's a little crazy, right? You don't think that then they, they move into the, the promised land finally with Joshua, and they're walking around the walls of Jericho, and they're just marching, like, and they're just marching, and the walls fall. You don't think anybody in the house went, that's crazy, Right? It's weird just because it's supernatural. Because the supernatural is always unusual for us. And so we've talked in the first two weeks about the who and the what. And here's two things that you should all know, two things that we all got down from now. Number one, we said this that the Holy Spirit lives inside all followers of Jesus. Every single follower, every follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit living inside them. Now, that's just me blabbing. That's the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And he says this very important. He says, and when you, now you is the believers we think, at least eventually this book would have gotten to Ephesus. He's writing this, church, this letter to believers in Christ. That's who the you is, followers of Jesus. You, when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Believed isn't, isn't just a cognitive thing It's a verb, but it's not just like cognitive, like, hmm, I have an acknowledgement. There was a Jesus. I always say this. Believed here is an active verb, which means this. You did something. You surrendered your life to Jesus. You committed your life to Jesus. You, you, You surrendered to his will, right? When you did that, he identified you as his own. He identified you, and this is the word to put his seal or his stamp on you, his mark on you. He identified you, and we said it this way. Remember, we said that you take your kids to Tiny Valley, and when you check a kid in at our Tiny Valley, our early childhood over here, they give you a printout. You rip in half. It's two stickers. You take the one sticker, you put it right on your kid. You take the other and you're holding on to that so that hopefully, God willing, after the service, when you pick your children up, please, you walk up to the counter and you go, that's my kid over there. And they go, how do I know that's your kid? And you go like this. You hold your sticker up and they look and they look and they find a kid who's got the same sticker and they're like, that one's got the mark on them. They've been identified now. It's got the seal on them. They belong together, right? You have been identified. You've been marked with a seal. You've been marked. The seal is on you. Of what? Of the Holy Spirit, when you come to Christ, you make a full commitment to follow Jesus, surrender to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is instantly placed on you as an identifying mark. Everybody who's a follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit living in them. But we learned something else too, and that is this: that the Holy Spirit then gives spiritual gifts to all followers of Jesus spiritual gifts aren't something for people who stand on a platform it's not for somebody who's got a title it's not for somebody who's an elder of the church it's for all followers of Jesus now again this is the apostle Paul and he's writing to the church this time at Corinth now watch how he talks Paul says this God works in different ways yes y'all are gonna have to pick it up God works in different ways but thank you somebody somebody <laughs> But it's the same God who does the work in all of us. And then he says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. If you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you have spiritual gifts. Now, let me just stop, and I'll reiterate what Pastor Amos said last week. Some of you say, well, I've been a follower of Jesus, so I know the Holy Spirit lives in me, but I don't really know what my spiritual giftings are. I don't know what those gifts are. You don't just always automatically know it's not assumed that you should just know, right? But we want to help you discover your spiritual gifts. And so we run our Next Step program here on Sunday mornings. It's always during, the, uh, during this service, during the 11 o'clock service. And we do it the first four Sundays of every month. If there's a fifth Sunday, we don't have it. And there, it's a different class each week. But specifically, the third week is a, a class where we take you through an assessment to help you figure out what your spiritual giftings are. So if you have not done next step or if you haven't done it in the next in the last year I would say go back and at least take that one because Pastor Vicki runs that and she's always improving it and twisting it and making it better and I think the spiritual assessment that's in week three now uh, is very, very good. So we know all followers of Jesus have the Holy Spirit living in them and we know that all followers of Jesus have the Holy Spirit living in them then have a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts. So this week, the question we're asking is this, why did God send the Holy Spirit? Like, why was that? You'll notice that the Holy Spirit is eternal because He is God. God is eternal. Therefore, the Holy Spirit has always been here. We read in the early pages of the Bible during the creation story that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Holy Spirit was here. He was here. In the Old Testament, He worked very different. Work very today. All believers have the Holy Spirit living in them. In the Old Testament, God would send His Spirit at a given time on an individual for a specific purpose. We know that King Saul, the first king in the in the history of of Israel right? King Saul, God put his spirit upon him. And we saw that after a period of time, God was very disappointed and he rejected Saul and he took his spirit from him. We know that God's spirit was on the prophets of those days. We know that God's spirit was sent on a man named Bezalel. In the book of Exodus, God is giving the Israelites his law or the instructions. You're going to be my people? This is, this is kind of how you folks gotta behave, right? So he gives them the law. And in that he also told them, you're gonna build what's known as the Ark of the Covenant and you're going to build the tabernacle. You're gonna do all these things. And he's laying out all these instructions, very specific. And then he sends his spirit on a man named Bezalel, who is a man who, who crafted metals and did that kind of thing. God sent his spirit on Bezalel to do that kind of work, right? So that's the way it was done in the Old Testament. Why didn't we just keep doing that? Why did God change his ways? Why, why is he, is he, did he do it different after Pentecost? Why now is the spirit in, in all believers? Why is that? We're gonna ask that question today. So you wanna be in your Bibles, Acts chapter one, we'll read the first eight verses. If you've got it, when you get it, go ahead and stand to your feet. And if you're new, uh, you just know this, this is just our thing, this is just kind of a us thing that we always do, it's not right or wrong. If you go to church and they don't stand when they read, don't read the scriptures, it ain't wrong. It's just what we do and the reason we do it, it's symbolic, we believe this is clearly the Holy Spirit speaking to us and so we just recognize that, that's all. Verse one says this, in my first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Verse three, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Verse four, one time he was eating with the disciples and he commented to them, don't leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse six, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Verse 7, he replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. Verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks life and truth. But God, honestly, we don't have a clue what it is you're saying to us right now. And we can't, we won't, unless your Holy Spirit speaks to us. So God, I'm asking, please send your spirit now in a way that speaks to us. Let your spirit speak clearly. Give us ears to hear, to desire, to know what you're saying to us. And then spirit, speak to each individual this morning exactly what it is you want them to hear from you. Do this in a way, God, that only draws us to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat. So we're in the book of Acts here. This is our passage this morning, and I would just ask you to consider this for a minute. How weird the Bible would be without the book of Acts. Acts is a a narrative. You you read it like a story. It's giving us history. But absent the book of Acts, we have the four Gospels. Like, just chronologically, you would have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then all of a sudden, you show up in the book of Romans. Like, we went from Jesus ascended to heaven, that's where the book of, of Luke ends, Jesus ascension to heaven, and all of a sudden, you got Paul writing to the church in Rome, and you're like, who's Paul? Where did Paul come from? How's he preaching to the Romans? The book of Acts is so significant for us, so I want to take a look at this passage this morning, it starts like this. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit, in my first book, I, we believe the I here is Luke. Almost all scholars agree. Luke was the writer of the book of Acts. Luke was. Now, what do we know about Luke? We know that he was most likely a Gentile. He's one of the few, the only Gentile writer of the scriptures. Uh, we know that Luke was a physician. We know he's a detail-oriented guy, right? And he says here in my first book, right, first book, the Gospel of Luke. That's what he's talking about. Now, now actually, in, in, in our Bibles, oftentimes, it was one book, Luke-Acts. Luke-Acts, one book, right? Now they've been separated. It says in my first book, I told you Theophilus. Who's Theophilus answer is don't really know. We don't really know. There's some thoughts on this. Uh, Theophilus could have been a Christ follower who's looking for more instruction, wants to know a little bit more about the church and the history of church. Theophilus could have been, it's a Greek name, Theophilus could have been a, a Roman uh, official of some type who's looking for more information about the church, history about the church. I, I, this is just me. I buy into this one. I think that it could be a very symbolic name. Theos in the Greek is God. Uh, philo, Philio is, is love. It could mean God lover. It could be a symbolic name. Hey, look, I told you God lovers in my first book. That it could be that. But he says, I told you in my first book, in the Gospel of Luke, everything that Jesus began to do and teach until he was taken up to heaven. Jesus came, Jesus lived, Jesus was crucified, Jesus died, Jesus resurrected. He walked the earth for 40 days, crazy thought. Walked the earth 40 days, came back to life, right? And then at the end of Luke's gospel, he ascends back to the Father. And that's what he's saying. I told you all about that after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Now you go to verse four in your passage. Look at verse four, and he says this. One time, Jesus, the he is Jesus, the them is the disciples. One time Jesus was eating with the disciples, and he tells the disciples, he commands them actually, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Now, just a weird thought, don't leave Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a hot mess at this time. The crucifixion of Jesus, Right? Uh, things didn't go well for Jesus, like just from our human perspective. And the disciples were known to be his followers, known to be very close associates. And, and he tells them, you folks wait here, which says this, even though it's dangerous, what's coming is worth the wait. He's telling them that. You just stick around here. It ain't real smooth, things that, you know, it's worth the wait. You folks stick around here. What they're waiting for is the gift. Now, what, what is that? Are we all getting new cars? What is this? Everybody, everybody gets a new tunic? What's the gift? Well, if you remember back in our passage that we talked about two weeks ago uh, in John chapter 14, it's what we, we uh, know as the farewell discourse. John chapters 14 through about John chapter 17 is what we call the farewell discourse. And it's, it's Jesus' last 12 hours here on the earth. And so he's with his disciples. They're going to celebrate the Passover. They, he sends his disciples off to go reserve this room, that's the, what's known as the upper room. And they're going to go up there and they're going to have the Passover dinner. They're going to celebrate. But Jesus is then saying some final thoughts. And one of the things he's telling the disciples about is the Holy Spirit. First, he's telling them, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I'm going. But I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Look at this. John chapter 14. Here's what he told them about it. Jesus said, I, that's him, will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Now, we looked at the word advocate and if you remember this, we said it is the Greek word parakletos, para, alongside, kletos is to to come. It means to come alongside. I'm gonna pray and ask the father to give you an advocate, this one who will come alongside you. We said that, that sometimes that means he's the comforter. He comforts us. That's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, that he's a counselor. He teaches us. He advises us. He explains things to us, right? That's what he does. And then we said he's your encourager, strengthener. That's what he does. But I think it's really interesting that he says another, another advocate, another one. Who is the first one? Jesus, exactly right. Jesus walked alongside them. Jesus comforted them. Jesus taught them. Jesus gave them strength. Now he's saying, I'm gonna send you another advocate. It won't be me, but I'll send you another one. I wonder who that could be. Oh, wait, he answers. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. I'm sending you another advocate. That's who the Holy Spirit is. That's what Jesus is telling them. That's this gift. Don't leave Jerusalem until I give you this gift, this advocate. I've already told you about him before. It's the one I've promised. Now look at verse six in your passage. And he says this. So when the apostles were with Jesus, and by the way, let me just tell you this, in Acts chapter 5, he tells them about the gift. He says, stay here for the gift. And then he tells them this, John baptized with water. You're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. He said, that's what the gift is. It's this baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's the gift. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, well, Lord, has a time come for you to free Israel and restore Israel? our kingdom. Here's what they're saying. Jesus, are you going to start kicking some butt? Is this that time? Are you going to overturn the Romans? Remember, these are Jews living in Israel, but Israel now has been basically colonized. It's been overtaken by the Romans. So they're Jews minding their own business, going about their business, living their life, but they've always got the Romans hanging over them, and they're saying, Jesus, is this that time? Is this that time? Are you finally going to give us the power, restore the power to the people? Are we going to have some power? Are you going to overthrow the Romans? Are you getting them off our case is that's what's going to happen Jesus to which Jesus beautifully replies basically none of your business here's what he says he replies the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times that's not for you to know it's none of your business Jesus are we going to get power now is that finally going to happen are you going to restore us the power it's none of your business that's for the father but then Jesus makes his turn and I love this because he's going to use their language He's using their thought, what they're thinking. Is this when? Is this one? Are we going to finally get some power? That's what they're asking. And he says this, oh, let me tell you something. You will receive power. Like he knows what they're thinking. He knows what they're asking. So he uses the same thought that they're having. Oh, you folks are fixing to get some power. I promise you that. When? When, Jesus, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, that's, you folks want to, like, do you ever think about this? Have we mistaken this, this whole, Yeah, this is just me, I'm going to go on a rant for a second, but I, I've just been so frustrated because I think we so think that the government has all the power in the government, and that's how more people are going to come to know Jesus, and so we just go crazy. We're so busy being cultural warriors, we forgot we're supposed to be salt and light, somebody. Please, like, I'm just losing my marbles. If you you think that the government is going to save us, you are on the wrong train, man. No, no. What if it actually, here's a crazy thought, Christians. What if it actually worked the opposite way? What if we started being salt in the light and so many people were coming to Jesus? Who knows? Maybe a couple of those people would run for office. I don't know. Crazy thought. Do you know what I'm saying? So Jesus says, oh, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then here's a question they might have had in their head. I wonder, I wonder what the purpose of that is. Like, what, why do we need that power? Why is the Holy Spirit going to come upon us? Jesus says this, and you will be. In other words, so that, so that the Holy Spirit will come upon you with power, so that you will be able to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Here's why the Holy Spirit sent. Primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is empower us to be witnesses. Like, that's why we've received the Holy Spirit. It's the weirdest thing. We think we've received the Holy Spirit so we can have a little bit better life. Hey, Jesus saved me so I can have a little bit better life. Maybe I can be a little smarter. Maybe I can get a better job. Maybe I can discern and find the right spouse. Maybe I can be better with the spouse that I currently have. Maybe I'll be a better parent. Maybe I'll be a better kid. No, 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 no. Maybe some side perks. Could be. Primary reason for the sending of the Holy Spirit was to empower us to be Witnesses. Now, Pastor Amos talked about it last week when he said we have these spiritual gifts, and he just said this. You guys, it's not all about you. It's not all about me. But one of the cool things is, man, you were designed for 249. If you miss that, you've got to go back and watch it. But you were designed for 249, and that's one of those beautiful things. When the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, man, and you're using your spiritual gifting. I just talked to somebody. I just talked to somebody, and they've had this situation where they've been able to minister to somebody. I said, man, brother, thanks for doing that. And he goes, oh, It's been awesome. We've just loved it. I was like, right, 249, 249. But it's not the primary purpose. The primary purpose is so that you and I will be witnesses. Now, we freak out a little bit when we talk about being a witness, and sometimes we think to be a witness, like, you got to go through this special training, you got to have this special program, or you got to have this special certificate, or you need to have a title, you need to be an elder of the church. It's way simpler than that. It's way simpler than that. When you read in the book of Acts, Uh, Paul goes to this guy, he's recounting and he's telling his story again and again. Paul tells his story, his full story in the book of Acts about three times. And now he's telling it how this, he was blinded and he couldn't see. And God sent him to a man named Ananias. And Ananias is talking to the apostle Paul. This is Paul retelling the story. Ananias says to Paul, you're to be his witness. Hmm. What do witnesses do? They tell everyone what they've seen and what they've heard. That's what witnesses do. We think it's, ah, it's this great strategy and it's gotta be explained like this. No, 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 no. If you're a witness in a court, in a trial, like it's some court of law, what do you do? Tell me what you've seen. Tell me what you've heard. Tell me what you've experienced. Tell me what you know to be true. That's That's what we do. That's what we do, witnesses. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, oftentimes given the word by the Holy Spirit, but you tell people what you've seen and what you've heard and what you've experienced and what you've known to be true. So he tells them that. He says, you're gonna be my witnesses. You're gonna be empowered to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And then he defines everywhere, which I kind of like. So I wanna look at this for one second. Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and at the ends of the earth. Now, if you're not real up on your Middle Eastern geography, just remember about this about Israel. I used to say it's like a giant piece of bacon and I found out that wasn't a good thing to say about Israel. So it's a, it's, a giant, it's a giant strip of land, like idiot, right? So it's this giant strip of land and in the southernmost region you have Judea, Right? In the northernmost re- in the middle region, you have Samaria, and then in the northernmost re- region, you have Galilee. But down in, Jeru- in uh, Judea, that's where Jerusalem is. So he says, "You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right here, where we're at, right here." Now, I don't know what your Jerusalem is. I live in Bloomington, so my Jerusalem is Bloomington. I'm grateful to God that we have some of you that live in Egan, and that's your Jerusalem. You live in Apple Valley, that's your Jerusalem. You live in Burnsville, that's your Jerusalem. Lakeville, Eden, uh, Eden Prairie. Richfield, I miss somebody, I know that. And you people that are online, you have your own Jerusalem. Wherever you live, man, your neighbors, your neighborhood, that is your Jerusalem. Okay? But then our influence is supposed to be more than that. So it's throughout Judea, like a little bit larger region geographically. Then maybe Samaria, you you continue to move out. And maybe to the outermost parts of the earth. And then a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Pastor Amos, and he said this to me, and I love this, and it just made me think about this. So here's a different way for you to think about this, and this really challenged me, that you're gonna be witnesses everywhere. You're gonna be telling people about Jesus everywhere. In Jerusalem, Jerusalem was where the crucifixion of Jesus happened. And so maybe in your area of most pain, One of your most painful areas, you're going to have ministry and witness in that. Something that you've experienced that was really painful and really hard and really difficult, and you're going to be able to witness out of that, and you're going to be able to witness to that. But also in Judea. Now remember this, Jesus started out in Judea, and then guess what? They rejected him, and so he went up north to Galilee, and that's where he had ministry for a couple years, up in Galilee. So Judea is a place where you've been rejected, and you're still going to be able to witness there. Maybe it's in Samaria, and I'll say this, and it doesn't sound like a very kind term, but Jews called Samaritans half-breeds and dogs. Because the Samaritans living there in Samaria, when Israel, was, a lot of them were taken captive, in captivity, the Samaritans stayed there, and the foreigners moved into the land, and the Samaritans, who were Jews at the time, intermarried with them. And the Jews hated that, because you've defiled us as Jews. And so they called them half-breeds and dogs. Guess what? Maybe you're going to witness to the people who've been totally rejected by all the other people of that day. You don't have to say it out loud. Think in your head right now. You know who they are in your context. Who are the people that are being rejected today? Maybe you have witness there. Maybe you have ministry there. And then maybe just to the ends of the earth, to places that you don't even know, places that you aren't familiar with. But I know this, you're going to be a witness. And I know this, you're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit because I know if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Now, here's what I love. It's this idea of power. It's this idea of power. Power. Man, you're going to have power to witness in ways that you think, ah, that wasn't me. I don't have that skill. I don't have that ability. So I want to give you a, a little bit, a few examples. And the first place my brain goes, and some of you, you're, you're going to say, yeah, me too. That's where my brain went, was the Apostle Peter. And here's why. Because when they were at the fair, at the fair, in the farewell discourse, when they were in the upper room and they were having dinner, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to be taken away and yada, 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 and I'm leaving. And uh, he said, and by the way, you're all going to turn your back on me. Who was it that speaks up? Peter. No, man, not me, Jesus. I'm here to the death. I'm here to the end. And Jesus is like, Psst, really? Because before, before the cock crows twice, like before morning, you're going to deny me twice, three times, right? He's like, no, no, no. So what happens? Jesus is arrested that night. Jesus is taken off almost instantly, right? Watch what happens to Peter. A servant girl notices him as Peter. Notice Peter in the firelight and she begins staring at him. Finally, she says, man, this guy, this guy was one of those Jesus followers. And Peter's big and brave and bold, so what does he say? Uh, woman, uh, I, don't, I don't even know him. Now, here's what's really interesting to me about it. Number one, he, 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 he just, he was afraid. He was so afraid, but here's what's really interesting. Notice who it was. It was a servant girl. I mean, First of all, they they were in a class society, okay? She's definitely not upper class, right? She's a servant. She's way down here. And further, you guys, I'm sorry about this. This is a patriarchal culture. She's a female. Sorry, she's way down here. And she's not even a grown woman that says a servant girl, (laughs) way down here. And Peter's like, "Uh, I I don't even know him. Like that St. Peter. Right, that was pre-Pentecost. It was pre-resurrection, now what happens? Okay, now just fast forward with me. Go with this. Ready, fast forward. Acts chapter two. We're gonna, we're gonna look at this next week. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit baptizes them. They're speaking in other languages and the whole place is hearing it. They're hearing other people speaking in crazy languages that aren't even their own. They're like, what's going on here? And, and I always love this conversation because it's humorous to me. I'm just, it's some things, when they're just funny, I say that's funny and I laugh. Like they say the one guy, somebody in the crowd speaks up and they go, This is crazy. These people are all drunk. And and everybody's like, no, no, it's too early for that. No, it couldn't be that, right? And so then what happens? It says this Peter steps forward. Peter steps forward. What's the difference? What's happened? He's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is on him, and he blisters the wallpaper. Like this guy gets done preaching, 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus right then. That doesn't happen to me that often. I mean, like 3,000 people all at once. Why? Because now there's a difference in him. The Holy Spirit's on him. Now you get to Acts chapter 3, just the very next chapter, right, in the story. And John and Peter are walking to the temple, and they see this guy sitting at the gate that everybody knows, and the reason everybody knows him is because everybody knows he can't walk. And he's been sitting there forever, every day, forever. It says from birth. He's been lame from birth. He can't walk. And he looks up at them, and he goes, hey, you guys got any cash? And then if you remember the good old King James, like we grew up on, he says, remember this? Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Galilee, get up and walk. And he does, right? And people start losing their marbles because they all recognize him because they all know from birth, this is the dude who can't walk. And they're like, what's going on here? What's going on here, right? And so here it is. Here's the opportunity. What happens? Peter Peter. Peter saw the opportunity. Now this dude isn't afraid. He's not running away from servant girl. He sees this as an opportunity, and he addresses the crowd. Oh, he preaches again. We find out later in John chapter four that about another two thousand. I mean, this guy's doing well. He speaks twice, and five thousand people come to Christ. What's the difference? Power of the Holy Spirit. He's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Power of the Holy Spirit is upon this guy. And then you get to Acts chapter 4, and this raises a whole hubbub again. Peter preaches, and it raises a hubbub again. And the Jewish officials don't like it. And they call Peter and John in before the council, and they say this. They brought in the two disciples, and they demand, by what? Notice what they saw. By what power they saw it in their lives. By what power, in whose name have you done this? And Peter, because he's really mild, he goes, in the name of that Jesus that you killed. (laughs) Like he just lets them have it, right? And so what's cool to me is this, is that watch what they watch what the, the members of the council saw. Watch what they noticed. It says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness they saw the power in their lives they saw it and they were amazed and here's why they're amazed and every one of you and myself including should be encouraged by this next part they were amazed why because they could see that these were just ordinary guys no special training in the scriptures like like don't we just feel like that like we're just ordinary folk we're just ordinary folk we don't have any special training I couldn't be used by God. I could never speak up and say anything because I'm, I'm just an ordinary. Hey, they, they were amazed because they were ordinary folk. They didn't say, well, sure, you're going to give that answer. You've, you've been to the finest seminaries in the land, and you, you've done blah, 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 whatever, and you have this big title. Nope, they were amazed. They saw the boldness in these guys, and they were amazed. Why? They're just ordinary folk no special training. So what happens? Peter and John get roughed up a little bit, and they get threatened, and they say, don't you ever preach about that Jesus here. That's what they're told. They're like, well, sorry, we got to obey God. That's what God's called us to do. So now they get released, and they go back to a house where the people are already praying. They go back to this house where they're praying, and it says this. Now they start praying again. They say, Lord, hear their threats. They want to hurt us, God. Hear their threats. Hear their threats. And God, would you give us more safety? Would you give us more protection? Is that what they prayed? Nah. They said, God, these folks want to hurt us. You know that, God. Hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word great boldness in witnessing that's all the preaching is it's proclaiming the word of god god they're threatening us they want to hurt us give us even more boldness send even more power god that's crazy so watch this they get done they're they're praying right and it says after the prayer the meeting place shook can you even imagine that the meeting place shook they were all filled with the holy spirit you ready for this watch this here's what happened as a result then they preach the word of God with boldness. Even more boldness. Even more boldness. More power. Where does that power come from? Power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. To do what? To be witnesses. To proclaim the word of God. To tell what you've seen, what you've heard, what you know to be true, what you've experienced. That's all. That's the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to further the kingdom of God. And so just know this. the power, The Holy Spirit is given to empower you to witness. Big picture, big picture. We talked last week about, man, there's a thrill when you serve in that lane where the Holy Spirit has gifted you. But big picture, the Holy Spirit is given to empower you to witness. That's why. Now, now I'm going to really rant for just a minute because this is something I've been wrestling with and I've just been thinking and I got my own thoughts and most of the time it's just mumbo jumbo, you know. But I've been really frustrated with, I, 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 I know that we hear this word a lot of times in the culture about deconstruction and we all get nervous, and we all get afraid of that. I'm a firm believer, man. I think there's a, there's, a, there, there's a form of healthy deconstruction, and I think the church right now today needs some healthy deconstruction. Like when you look at this last year, and you look at what's happened, and you see how Christians behaved during the election cycle, and you see how Christians behaved during the George Floyd incident, and you see how Christians have, have behaved during COVID, and I think we need to take a giant step backward and go, what are we doing? Like, who are we? And so I've really been wrestling with this. And one of the things that I think really needs to be deconstructed in the church is there has become this, 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 this line of thinking in the church that, that, that goes like this. I got saved. I got saved. I asked Jesus into my heart. I've surrendered my life to Jesus. I've, I've given my life to Jesus. And now I just hang out here until it's my time to die. Like that's the whole purpose. Like the Holy Spirit came into my life to make me maybe some smarter, maybe to make my life a little bit better, maybe to get me some better job, maybe to help me have discernment about who to marry, maybe about raising my kids. But really, I'm just hanging out here until I die. And I don't have a real name for it, but but this is what I've named it. So if you see this now, just go, oh, Neil's the one who came up with that, you know. But I'm calling it just this idea of Christian escapism. Like we just get we 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 get saved, and then we're just hanging out here until we check out of here. There's something wrong with that, man. That is not the gospel message. The gospel message is God saved you and filled you with his spirit to further his kingdom. I mean, this this idea of we're just hanging out, that's not not a Christian idea. It's not a biblical idea. And so I was talking to Dr. Tennyson. I was talking to him on the phone one time and I was ranting with him about this. I'm like, man, I just think the church, we're, we're teaching this, we've come. And he's like, oh, have you read? And he gave me some name. You might know it and i didn't know the guy's name i said no no he said have you read this guy and i said no 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 he goes you're saying the exact same thing and this author talks about a two chapter and a four chapter gospel so let me just run this down for you real quick because we've been living a two chapter gospel two chapter gospel says this man sinned and then jesus saved us right man sinned we sinned there's you know and then jesus died Jesus died, like after man sinned, right? Everything was going down the toilet. And then about Genesis chapter 12, we we're introduced to Abraham. And ever since Abraham, it's just been on the climb up. And out of Abraham, eventually we get to the Messiah. Jesus lives, Jesus dies, Jesus resurrects from the dead. He sends his Holy Spirit. That's a two-chapter gospel. It's not wrong, it's not theologically wrong, it's theologically incomplete. The four-chapter gospel is truth, and that says this. First of all, God made everything good. God is eternal. God God created the earth and he made everything. In fact, when you read in Genesis, he'll create something that says, and God saw that it was good. And then he made something else, and God saw that it was good. And eventually he makes man and he says, and God saw that it was very good, right? But then man sinned, then Jesus came and he saved us. But there's a fourth chapter, and the fourth chapter is God is in the business of restoration. God is restoring. Question, how is he doing that? Answer, God sent his Holy Spirit to empower believers, to witness to tell people about what God has done. Now, we have this phrase in the current church that says this, I have a personal relationship. And I taught in week one that the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit is a person, and that empowers us and enables us to have a personal relationship with God. But we have mistaken personal for private. So let me just tell you this and write this down. A personal relationship is not a private relationship. It was never intended to be private. Like I'm on my phone and I'm chatting with somebody and I'm talking like blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden you walk up to me and you go, who's that on the phone? I say, it's none of your business, it's private. Right? Yeah, like this is for me. It's for me, it's not for you. And we've taken personal relationship to mean private as in don't ask, don't tell. No, 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 no. Personal relationship was never meant to be a private relationship. And when you share your faith, that's when it gets unleashed. That's when we see the power of the Holy Spirit is when you share your faith, when you're personal. So here's your big so what for today. If you're new, just so you know this, this is the only time you have to wake up. So if your friend sit sitting next to you, just like, hey, it's that time. You got to wake up now. Personal becomes powerful when personal becomes public. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. If you just keep it to yourself, first of all, it was never intended for that. And we don't see the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to unleash you, to unleash you, just, just to empower you. So I'm going to try to, I'm a visual person, so anytime I can demonstrate visibly, visually. So this is uh, just grass, you know, and it's just, it's just fake grass, and so naturally it's green, but let's just say it's grass. And this is you and me. Here we are. And We've received the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit is living in us. There's no question. That is a fact. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you. But sometimes we think this is it. I'm good. I'm good. I got my Holy Spirit. I'm good. What what else is there? And this is how we live our lives. This is how we live our lives. This is not how it's intended to be. It's not intended for you. The Holy Spirit wasn't here to make you comfortable and make you happy. And so when that comes out of you, Then here's what happens, it just overflows. And you know what's gonna happen? All that grass is getting watered and there is gonna be new life. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's the whole idea. God sent his Holy Spirit. He's not doing it the same way he did in the Old Testament. He sent his Holy Spirit to fill you, to empower you, to be a witness so that there would be new life. That's it. We ain't here to be comfortable. We ain't here to be content. Right? Now, now here becomes a challenge. So, let me me give you the big now what, because then we say we're we're doers of the word. Here's the now what. So, just everybody do this. Take a big breath. Exhale. This week, tell someone what you've seen and heard. Now, here's the thing. Half of you just threw up in your mouth. That's okay. It's all right. But I think we get all nervous about telling someone, telling someone. Look. You don't meet perfect strangers and just unload on them, right? That doesn't happen. You, you're building relationships. So I'll tell you the way this happened for me. And, and we just got to look for opportunities. So we've been going to the same gym now for a while. Thank you for those of you who've noticed. Appreciate that. And so uh, we've uh, we, but we've been going to a different location, different location. And I've gotten to meet this dude who works there. He's a trainer, right? And so I introduced myself first time I walked in. I saw him. I said, hey, hey. I said, you know, I'm Neil, blah, blah. We don't usually come here, but now we're coming here. And and so we've just been having little conversations, little conversations. So the other day I stopped in there and there's like nobody in the place, right? Hardly anybody in. And so he's just standing there, right? So I said, how long have you been working here? He goes, I've been working here about three months. I was like, oh, wow, right on three months. I said, what did you do before this? He told me, he told me. me, So how would you get into this? You know, I've always been interested, blah, blah, blah. So yada, yada, yada. One thing leads to another. We chat for a while. Pretty soon he goes, so what do you do? Well, that always gets a, regardless, it gets a, oh. So he said, so I'm a pastor, oh, you know? And I said, I, I'm a pastor at the church over Bloomington. I said, it's a crazy, long, weird story. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, I did this for, you know, and then I did this for about 20 years. And I just really felt my wife and I prayed and we talked, so I'm just sharing that with him. And he goes, really? And he goes, so you've done other things. How do you like this, being a pastor? I said, oh man, are you kidding me? I said, I love this. And he goes, really, what do you love it? Now, it's different for everybody, different for everybody. This is just for me. You know what, this is just my favorite conversation. I love having conversations and I love seeing it. So this is some of your story. I love having conversations where the people go, yeah, I used to go to church when I was a kid growing up and then I found out church was stupid and church people are stupid. And I think the church is, that I'm not down with the church anymore. I'm like, oh, right on. I love that. Tell me your story. But I said, I love to have those conversations about faith. You know what he says to me? I don't know why I get emotional, but this stuff just jacks me up. I get emotional because I'm passionate about it. All of a sudden, he just goes, wow, really? He goes, I'd love to have a conversation with you about faith. Like, do we ever think about that? If we weren't being such culture warriors and ripping everything, if we thought more about being, we've thought more about being culture warriors than salt and light. If we were just out there being salt and light, did you know this? Did you know that people want to know about faith? Did you know that? He goes, yeah. So we've set up a lunch. I said, oh, right on, man. I said, I'll take you to lunch. I'll take you to lunch. Now listen, did I give him the four spiritual laws? Those of you who grew up with that, do you remember the sharing your faith, with the four spiritual laws. It's all good. No, you know, I just I just connected with him. I connected with him, and I'm going to tell him what God's done in my life, and I'm going to tell him what I've experienced. And, and, and what, what God, things that God is telling me and my wife and the way that we pray about things that's what I'm going to do that's because I'm a witness so this week I'm saying start to pray about that now just stop right now in your head stop think who is it that you come in contact with in your neighborhood at work at school in your family who needs to know Jesus got it? Okay, this week, just tell them what God is, what you've seen, what you've heard. That's all you gotta do. And you begin the conversation. You know what? That's why the Holy Spirit was given to you. That's why you have the Holy Spirit. That's the purpose. That's why the Holy Spirit was sent. That's not why we're dealing in the Old Testament, where God's Spirit comes on given people for given times for a given purpose. That's the whole purpose. We soak up all the side benefits of, oh, the Holy Spirit's my comforter and my encourager and my strengthener and my teacher. But the primary purpose he sent you is to be a power, to give you power, to be a witness. So, Father, this morning we thank you for your word. Your word is so good to us, Father. It feeds our souls, and I'm grateful. Lord, I thank you that you are a sovereign God who's in complete control, and you have your own planet. You're working out in your timing. And I'm grateful, God, that to empower us, you would think to send us your Holy Spirit. God, you sent us your Spirit, and we are so grateful for that. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, I pray that our hearts would just be sensitive to that, that that you'd just be doing things during the week that just remind us, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's why I have the Holy Spirit. I've got to speak up. I don't have to be highly intelligent. I don't have to have the most creative way to say it. I just need to tell folks what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've experienced, and what I know to be true in my life. God, burden us, burden us with that. Thank you, Jesus.